Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande. You're not shy, huh? It's good, good quality. Find a place nearby. <laughs> as close as possible. So, good morning. If you take the name Radha and turn it around backwards, you get Dhara, which means flow or stream, river. So we are in the we're in the flow, in the, in the stream here. With the uh, the um, national emergency disaster uh, rains of. Of, uh, of a hur- hurricanian nature, I guess. Huh? But it's, um, like I mentioned this morning, it causes us to make a little more effort hmm, to uh, attend hmm, such programs, and that's in our interest. So impediments uh, really serve as an, as an opportunity to make to make progress. We should see them as such. And therefore there are no that from that perspective there are no problems. Only opportunities to serve newer opportunities. Hmm. Requires the serving ego to really appreciate that point. But that's what we're we're cultivating here. So we talked a little bit last night in the context of answering some questions. We did segue into some interesting insights about the uh, position of the Shakti, and uh, particularly the influence of material nature in a positive, very positive and interesting sense, <laughs> which we see, of course, as kind of a reflection of... Um, Sarup Shakti's influence. Where in the Sarup Shakti you have, as we heard this morning, Sandini, Sampit, Ladini, kind of Satchitananda on on steroids. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum in material nature you have Asat, Achit, and, and Nirananda, which nonetheless can have a positive effect on us as we're explaining by way of affording us experience of aspects of ourself that without the material environment or without the spiritual environment we wouldn't know about. We don't have, we are are born, so to speak, with the influence of the material environment as much as karma has no beginning. And so material nature affords us an experience, the experience of aspects of ourself that we wouldn't know of otherwise, that we have, that we are by nature an agent of action, we have an apprehender, uh, able to, uh, and, 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 and a uh, experiencer. Hmm? So, as I often say, you need an environment to, to experience. You need an environment to, to be a doer in relation to, and so forth, and to be an apprehender. Hmm. 
So these are qualities of the soul that, that are part of its nature, the atma, the jivatma, that will be experienced or brought out, I should say, in relation to the nurture. Hmm? We have a nature that lends itself to nurture, to the nurture that either the material or the spiritual environment affords us, which means you get you become a person with likes and dislikes, and and uh, and you you make choices and, and so on and so forth. All those nice things uh, that we do that that uh, makes us uh, uh, what we think we are, and, and there's some truth to it. Of course, there's a problem in the way in which material nature functions um, that make uh, the personhood that it gives rise to hmm, and connection with ourselves problematic at the same time but nonetheless we can learn from our we, we have experience uh, of what we're like and we need to simply change the environment so to see the material environment as the reflection hmm, is the idea of Radha, and to see ourselves as units of consciousness, parts and parcels of the of this of our source, and we have a likeness with our source. So, as the field of activities, if you will, in the form of material nature, bring out certain aspects of ourself and allow us to be what all we can be, so to speak. Uh, or at least make the effort. Um, same holds true for for our source, for Bhagwan. He's like us, so he needs shakti hmm. to be all that he can be. Hmm. And, um, and, and and that is the full face of the shakti, swarup shakti, rather than the maya shakti. So we discussed this a little bit, a very fairly philosophical approach. Understanding Radha, we, we we discussed a little something this morning. Also, um, an example. Uh, maybe I should go over that a little bit. An example from physics to help us appreciate uh, the uh, the idea of Radha. Hmm. So we, we we mentioned that physical uh, systems are composed of mass and energy, hmm. and the systems can either be at rest or in in motion in relation to an observer. And when the physical system is in rest, then it has, it's called, its mass is called mass, rest mass. And then it has energy, it's called rest energy. And these two are equal in proportion to one another. It's a balance. Hmm. So, um, if we liken Krishna to a mass of consciousness, Satchirananda hmm? Vigraha, condensed um, uh, eternity, knowledge, and bliss uh, appearing in, 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 in form, a concentration, a mass, if you will, of, to say, of, of consciousness. And that consciousness has that mass has energy hmm? that's inherent within it. This is the swarup shakti. Hmm? And if you take 
Krishna and put him to rest, so to speak, that mass of consciousness. Well, the more he's resting, the less the the internal energy is manifest, the more he becomes like still, like Brahman, still. Hmm? And uh, and this Rup Shakti is, is, is not playing itself out, not an active participant. And so the life of the, of the God it becomes quiet, still, and lonely. Hmm? Hmm. So... If you take mass, rest and energy rest, and then you, the physical system is set in motion, then a peculiar thing happens, and that is that the rest energy that corresponds with the rest mass, when the mass becomes in motion, the energy, the rest energy, now becomes, well, it wakes up, I guess, and it exceeds then in measure the measure of the rest energy hmm? so similarly when Krishna his love transforms into the person of Radha of course it's not a, something at a moment in time but we can only talk about it as if it were with the limits of language and so forth when Krishna becomes Radha what's happening is that the rest energy of the Sarup Shakti in the mass of consciousness that he is, it comes out and personifies before him. And that sets, of course, in the context of doing that, he's set into motion, if you will, Krishna. And this Sarup Shakti then manifests as, as Radha, Swayam Shakti, exceeds the measure of her influence when in rest within Krishna. Hmm? And thus has the power to do something to him that can't happen to him by her influence when it's inherent and and resting within him. And that is the power to overcome him and to afford him a happiness, a pleasure, ananda, that his own swarup, ananda, uh, doesn't afford him. This is called swarup shakti ananda. So the ananda of his swarup shakti is greater than the ananda of his swarup. So it's a good, I thought, a good analogy (laughs) for physics to help us appreciate uh, the concept. And it's, in these ideas, the one I mentioned previously, in brief, which we went into some length last night, and this one was we read this morning, and I thought it was worth going over because it was a little heady. Um, they, they serve to help us think about the, the person of Radha in a way that, uh, that um, makes her more than a picture and a lady in a blue dress and, and you know, just remember Radha and tell some story or something like that. Uh, it's a deep concept idea. This is the Shakti Radha and the Shakti Man Bhagawan uh, playing themselves out, and this purpose is to bring them together, to unite them together. That said, um, there are some nice stories uh, that uh, 
that that really do speak about these points, hmm? and um, and they're told by very important, significant people in our uh, lineage, and they make these kinds of points if we study them carefully. We can draw these type of philosophical points out and, and uh, see the relevance of the stories, so to speak, the philosophical import and whatnot, and how it's applicable you know, in, in our times and all times, and so on. And at the same time, uh, they do they do they do more than that because they they afford us a powerful uh, well they're a powerful medium that uh, can help to uh, transport us into the land of Leela, where all these philosophical kind of concepts are like personified and played out in a very platonic kind of concept of a, of a world of m- like mathematical uh, principles that exists beyond the physical realm. You know, Plato is the is the um, father of all of Western philosophy. Alfred North Whitehead said that all philosophy is just a foot in the Western world, is just a footnote to, uh, to Plato. Hmm? And um, this is Western philosophy, and Greece is kind of not too far from the East there. And as I've said before, we, well, we know that, uh, that uh, the Greeks, the, the, the fathers, if you will, of modern Western philosophy, had some influence from from India, the great Heliodorus pillar is uh, towers there in, in in New Delhi to make the point that at least one ambassador from 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 Greece representing a, a, a kingdom, a constituency, hmm, paid homage to the great god Vasudev. Hmm. Um, they became devotees. Um, there was a form of philosophy, neo, neo, Neoplatonism, if you look at it, it's just Dwayta Vedanta, really, that was popular in, in Europe but to some extent had a, um, as well. So, um, so, as he thought, so where he got the idea, well, we don't know, but there is an influence from India on Greek thinking, and the East-West dichotomy starts to break down Hmm. Um, and, um, and and he posited this idea. It's kind of like our a, a, a way of looking at it from Western philosophy of a world beyond time, beyond the physical, where principles, philosophical, logical, mathematical principles, are existing. Where 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 there's where there's <coughs> Where there's hoarseness, as opposed to horses or something like that. I don't know, he had some idea like that. Right? There's something called hoarseness and cowness and and houseness <coughs> and, and so forth. Um, and and uh, it, some shape of it appears here in the form of a house or a cow or a, a house uh, or a horse, but the, but it's essential. Uh, Reality derives from the world beyond hmm, something like that. Um, it's very similar uh, concept to our 
idea of the spiritual world. Somebody asked me the other day about what does it mean when it says that devotees' hearts heart melts in prem. Hmm? And uh, most of the examples of such kind of transformations, if you will, are uh, speaking about the spiritual bodies of the siddhas, players in the lila, hmm? and so on. Um, and she was asking, like, what does it mean that their hearts melt and, and so on? And uh, what, what I explained was that, that just like somebody once asked me, said, Maharaj, I wanted to ask you a question. And uh, it's a little controversial, but um, can I ask? I said, sure, go ahead. And he said, I want to know, is, is there any real sex life in the spiritual world? Because you know you have the romantic life of Radha and Krishna. I said, no, you don't understand. There's no real sex life in the material world. Hmm? <laughs> so, so what we, we, when we speak about, he gave his heart, hmm? right? Hmm. She spoke when it came from her heart. Hmm? Simply that. What we say in English is, my heart melted when I saw her, hmm? and that was it. Uh, is this kind of thing. We're not obviously speaking about the organ that pumps blood and so forth, but it's kind of a physical representation of something that transcends it that what we're that which is which we're really all about. We're really all about feelings. Hmm? Hmm. Something that, that matter can't have unto itself. Hmm? And uh, so there's a physical kind of representation, for example, in the, in, the, in, the, in the human body of the heart that represents something that is that is that is that, uh, that, that that transcends it, that is more than it. The subjective world of feelings transcends the physical world. It's a metaphysical reality. The whole world of conscious feelings. And, it, 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 it's, it's metaphysical, it's beyond the physical. Hmm? This is... Uh, anyway, so... So... Here's another example. I saw a comic uh, kind of a drawing and it said, it had a stick stick figure with a smile. Hmm? You might have seen it. And and underneath it said, a smile is the moving of certain facial muscles. You know, and you kind of laugh at that, like, <laughs> that's what a smile is. You know, you got to be... Smile is so much more than that. That's just like a physical representation of something that... That that's almost beyond what you can say as a smile. Hmm? Can you, how can you explain happiness? There you go. Hmm? How can you? How, what can you say about it? You can explain this muscle moves like this. This muscle. But we just, we just laugh at that kind of explanation, but it does justice to defining, you know, explaining what a smile is. So. The real world, the point is, is a world of feelings and 
and uh, and so now of course we have feelings in relation to matter and we are mixed up with that in a, in a way and so forth but the point is that there's a world of, of pure feeling hmm? and there they have bodies and hearts but they're emotional they're actual manifestations of those emotions not physical representations of them that pale in comparison to what they really are. Hmm? Our physical heart can't really melt. Hmm? It's limited. Hmm? We don't want to take the higher, greater thing hmm? and reduce it to just an organ hmm? and do away with the melting and call that just some illusion. This is the world we live in. Hearts do melt. We do how do you talk about it? It's hard to talk about it. It, it. It's hard to talk about it because we're connected with a world where that doesn't happen and there's only representations of those such things like hearts, physical representations. And, but there's a world of those feelings. So, these are, so the bodies of Radha and Krishna and their associates, they're all feelings. They're, they're emotions. They're ecstasy. Bodies of ecstasy. Hmm? You have to understand the point. Uh, the world of feelings is, is the subjective world, that's the real world, and it ha- can take shape. Hmm? And so the hearts actually melt there. Hmm? And Krishna perspires in ecstasy. Hmm? Uh, for example, this is one of the Astasatvika Bikar, the Eightfold Transformations of Ecstasy. When the, when the bhava... Hmm? Melts the heart, and then it, uh, then it, then it, and it interacts. It rides on the air, the pran. There's the spiritual air too on the pran of Krishna's body. It contacts the fire element, spiritual fire. Hmm? Also, hmm? then there's perspiration, and he has dark complexion, and it, and. It, and so the, the Jamuna is flowing. This is thought to be the idea. Hmm? She's dark, the Jamuna. Hmm? Sometimes she's called the Krishna. Hmm? And uh, so this is a this is some idea of the help us understand the idea of the spiritual world and the stories, then the lila, the narratives that come from our charges and so forth, while they speak about philosophical principles and, 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 and what not, they also speak to us about a world that, that uh, corresponds with them and has a shape, form, and a form of ecstasy and a world we can enter into and, and be and feel and experience all these uh, entirety of our emotive life in relation to the perfect object of love. Hmm? Hmm. That happens with the help of Radha, with the help of the Sarup Shakti, hmm? who's governing the whole, uh, if you will, uh, realm of bhakti that's, rup- that's constituted of, bha- of Sarup Shakti. The essence of the Sarup Shakti, in one sense, is, is bhakti. She is bhakti devi. Hmm? So on. So, uh, so the stories um, are uh, beautiful, charming. They have deep philosophical meaning, and they have some. I want to say what ontological uh, reality. They're 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 real in the sense that I'm talking about. They speak about a real, the real world. 
the world of feeling and and uh, personhood and, and so on and so forth and love ultimately. So, so we would do well then in talking a little bit about Radha Tattva to turn our cells in the direction of the of the of the flow, divine flow coming from Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada it said by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami in his Chaitanya Charitamrita that the Vrindavan Lila, the Rasakeli, hmm, the love play of Vrindavan, uh Kalam, that in time it got covered. Hmm, knowledge of it, understanding of it. And we redress that to some extent with the Lal's Chandra's question last night. Sometimes understanding gets lost and there's a need for a major installment of Sambandagyan and so forth. Hmm. So what happened at the time with um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was described by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is that he selected Rupa Goswami hmm, to bestow his blessing on and empower him to be the main spokesperson about the way to attain that, hmm? the way. And Radha is the way. Hmm? She is the personification of bhakti. So what is bhakti? We have bhakti rasamrita sindhu, for example. Hmm? We sometimes refer to ourselves as rupanugas, the followers of Rupa Goswami, in that he shows the way. So he is the abhideya acharya. He is the acharya that, that has... Uh, weighed in on the way, on the path, defined bhakti, explained bhakti, sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, prema bhakti, bhakti rasa, and so on and so forth. So, he's the way. I mean, he himself defers to Sanatana Goswami Prabhupada. Hmm? And I want to tell his uh, Rupa Goswami's story about Radha in brief, about the appearance of Radha as he relates it in 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 uh, his uh, uh, Lalita Madhava, hmm? that he, in which he, as he does in practically all of his books, at the onset offers his respects to Sanatana and identifies Sanatana with the um, the ancient um, Sanat Kumar. Rupa Goswami describes him as an incarnation of Sanat Kumar. Hmm? Um, whose name appears in Rupa Goswami's Radhikastava that we chant in the morning also. Hmm. Um, we have to get into that at some point in our, in our, our discussion. But um, uh, he, the point is he defers to Sanatana Goswami in Gorlila. The uh, Sanatana Goswami has the senior position, the elder of Rupa, and uh, he's, he's a guru figure in Rupa Goswami's life. But we refer to ourselves as Rupanugas, and one of the, rather than Sanatanugas or Jivanugas amongst the Goswamis and, and, and for different reasons. But one of the reasons is because he is the Acharya who um, represents through his writing and so forth the way. And so Rupanuga Anuga means to follow. It's a way. It's a way that we're, a course that we're taking. Hmm? So this is why one of the reasons why we're not the Sanatana follower or the Jiva follower, because he is showing the Abhideya, and that's the way. And so the way, what is your way? We are the followers of the way, as articulated by Rupa, who was empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to do just that. So, 
um, what does he say there? He, 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 he you know, the uh, Madhav is one of his famous uh, dramas. And there's a short, short story there in the introduction as to the birth of Radha that's peculiar and interesting. So we can, we can discuss it, if you like, a little bit. Hmm. There, um, Rupa Goswami gives the, the microphone in his drama to Purnamasi. Hmm. And the story begins with Purnamasi speaking to Gargi. Gargi is the daughter of Gargacharya, Gargamuni, who presided over the name-giving ceremony for Krishna and Balaram in the cowshed in Vrindavan. Hmm. And uh, an important person in Alila who works at times with Purnamasi, hmm, being an astrologer as he is, she consults with him at times. Um, um, and then with that help and wisdom weighs in on the situation in Vrindavan that um, she has a handle on, if you will, more than anyone else. Hmm. And and is able to uh, give a kind of confidence and assurance to the inhabitants of Vrindavan when the, the prospect and the possibility of Radha and Krishna uniting is in question, which leaves the whole brudge in, in despair. Hmm? Obviously there are some persons who appear not to be interested in that and against that, but they are not really at heart against it. They're only against it because superficially, according to Leela, it's not supposed to be something that, that, that takes place. Hmm. For example, Radharani's mother-in-law and uh, sister-in-law and so forth, they're, they're always uh, somewhat militant about protecting Radha from that black snake, Krishna, and, uh, and so on. But in their heart of hearts, of course, they know hmm, that they're the perfect couple. Hmm. Uh, indeed, for that matter, the husband of Radharani is a, is a particular manifestation of Krishna. So Purnamasi knows all these things. So when the gopikas, uh, like when Brinda Devi sees another assistant of Purnamasi, when she sees that that arrangement has been made for Radha to marry Abhimanyu, she's freaking out. How can this be possible? Hmm? Uh, Radha is meant to be with Krishna. Hmm? Purnamasi gives assurance. Don't worry, it's not what it appears to be. Hmm? So she's a very important person. And one of the things to draw from the Leela narratives of the Goswamis, besides these heady kind of philosophical points and, uh, and, uh, and theological points and so forth, is a very simple thing, and it's not hard. Hmm? Is that is to to draw to to begin to identify with the characters, hmm? and how you would like to meet them and have them part of your life, and how you, to get to know who what a, what a, what an important, significant, and fascinating person. For example, is is Purnamasi. Hmm? She's the mother of of uh, Sandipani Muni who became Krishna's guru. She was schooled by Narada. Hmm? 
she has a natural affinity and affection for Radha that she derived from the, the being a pupil of Narada. Hmm? She appeared in Vrindavan along with Madhu Mangal hmm? and uh, also a student of, 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 of Narada and thought to be a son of Sandipani Muni. Hmm? And, um, and fascinated all of the inhabitants of the Brudge, a kind of a mystic person. She says, and I never age past this age, and neither does this boy, and, and so on. And uh, they built her a little shed, a little hut, along the banks of the Krishna River, the Jamuna. Hmm. And um, so they've got in their, you know, in their community this this shaman, this kind of lady. <laughs> Who you know knows things that other people don't know, and can you can get assurance from her, and and uh, this is a great uh, uh, fortune of the uh, of the community. This is the yoga maya personified. One of the one of the forms in which yoga maya personifies an elderly lady dressed in white, wearing the kash flower in her hair always, and and uh, so when you read and hear the Leela narratives, we, we want to develop affinity with it. So this is a real person. This is the personification of the of the yoga maya. I'm in Mahamaya. I want to go in yoga maya. Hmm? You come under that, 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 that influence. And just by becoming attracted to her hmm? and identifying, I mean by identifying, like when we hear about Kirtida and Vrishabhanu, the mother and father of Radha, or Nanda and Yashoda, the mother and father of Krishna. These are the two primary families of the of the Braj, the, the, the parents of Radha, the parents of Krishna. Hmm. Um, in one sense, everybody, the, the, the Braj being a village, rural, agrarian community as it is, there's this closeness where everybody knows one another. Hmm. Everybody is more or less, if you keep playing it out, related. Hmm? Uh, something like that. Um, um, I had the nice experience in Madhavan in Costa Rica once of uh, talking with Juan, one of our, our, our workers, and he was talking about... I mean, his world is just right there. That's it. That's his whole world. Hmm? When he, was, he used to live, he was born on our property at Madhavan. He's ten years younger than me now, um, and he works there. But uh, he, he once once a month they would go by horseback to Nicoya. You know that's a long ride to get supplies. And otherwise, they they lived there. And so they all, you know, it's like an extended community, and everybody knows. And if you need a carpenter, oh my brother, my brother's my my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law's brother's brother-in-law's cousin. You know, <laughs> it's very charming. Hmm? Compared to our industrial society, that so much separates um, family members, and um, you don't even know where your son is half the time, or whatever. And he knows where his second cousin's uncle's mother's father's brother-in-law's, you know, son is, and uh, and and so forth. So it was very, it was actually quite startling for me to, it was very profound to hear him talk in such a way without. Trying to tell me anything, just the way he lives and thinks, and 
and that those type of uh, sensibilities that are so much absent in our modern industrial fast-paced uh, society and, and, and I felt a, an emptiness hmm? in comparison, an emptiness in comparison to such such a life. So the Brudge is, is something, uh, village, something like that. It's very home-like, hmm? very home-like, very homey. Hmm? It's said that that if any male hmm, of any age comes from Nandagram and the, the, the area of Krishna's um, father's family, both Radha and Krishna, of course, were, were born in places from which they then, then moved from Gokul, Krishna moved to Vrindavan, and from Ravel, Radharani to Barsana. And these are two really uh, kind of hills. Uh, Nandagram and like Barsana, they're ele- elevated, uh, um, and and at any rate, if any male comes from Nandagram area to Barsana, then he is treated like a uh, like a like a son-in-law, hmm? or he has access to any house, as if he's uh, married to the daughter with that type of intimacy and welcoming and so forth. Hmm? It's very nice, huh? Very charming idea. It's the kind of thing that Prabhupada wanted us to create with rural um, communities, this type of intimacy and and um, and uh, doing everything as far as possible within the, within the community. Hmm? So a very intimate, a very homey, uh, in a practical sense, um, environment, philosophically, theologically, the home, land of the heart for home-going, a home-knowing person is required and they will say things, that person that hits home, touches the heart, so to speak, and we know we have to go there, we have to do that, we have to, we have to incorporate that concept into our lives, like a foundation stone. Hmm? Um, so this is all about building a house of, of bhakti. But the very nature of the dham, the, the way in which these leelas are played out in the brudge, it's, it's very, well, homey. Hmm? Um, home, I say, is uh, in the heart and at home. There is no... Um, you know your guard is let down at home. You you don't you don't have to be on guard. You don't have to watch your back or proceed with caution. So the intelligence by which we are always questioning and doubting and and so forth, then seeking to protect our heart can be at at rest. Someone told me the other day, just yesterday, wrote to me. Um, about uh, a book that had been published by our sect some time back called Our Affectionate Guardians. Vishnu Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta and Vishnu Maharaj put it together. And um, it's about the relationship between Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj and some of ISKCON's uh, leaders in the past and their conversations and so on. It's very revealing. Um, but um, the devotee was in a kind of uh, burdened by 
um, not being able to uh, read and proceed and listen and hear without without being very cautious about what's being said and so forth. Like when we listened to Prabhupada, we weren't cautious about what he said. We just like as everything just came in. We just accepted it. However crazy it was, it, it, you know, or seems it might seem now some of the things, just 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 accepted it, just just drunk it up and soaked it up, and, and he was he was able to suspend our intellect altogether, all so to speak. Hmm. Later, you're supposed to use that, reflect on what's been put in there, and then uh, distribute it and uh, and uh, apply it, and so on and so forth. But but uh, she was burdened by this by environment apparently that she was in, had been in for some time, that didn't afford this kind of free hearing, hmm? happy hearing, and uh, had to check out every word and so forth. And it was introduced to this to this book and the possibility of 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 some uh, guidance that um, that. Uh, where that could be put to rest. Hmm. But in, in reading the book, there was one letter of Prabhupada, and then, and then there was something that Vishnu Maharaj had, had taken something out of the letter to, to abbreviate it and, and make a point and, and so forth. And so the, the devotee said, here, I read, I, I read, I see the letter, it's different than what Prabhupada said, some things are left out, you know, although the essence of what's being said there wasn't, you know, wasn't left out. So now I here I see I wanted to read without having the burden of doubts and having to check everything out and and so forth and here I'm finding it here. So I was written to and asked about. It. I said, "Well, she already has a doubt. Why she's why she's checking out the letter in the first place?" <laughs> so so that it really only underscores the fact that she's coming from an environment that's really made her like this. Hmm? which is so much the opposite of a position that one wants to be in, that the guru seeks to get the disciple in, in order to give the, give the medicine. Hmm? If you're, I mean, we, I do say sometimes, come, sit, doubt, and so forth. So that we might clear the doubts at a certain point. It's just, yep, yep, that sounds good, that sounds good. Everything's just going in and, and uh, finding a place there and... and and bringing about change and so forth. Hmm. So, <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I replied like that. Hmm. I said uh, to the to the person who had brought it up to me. I said, you, you tell her that it only underscores the fact that the environment that she is in, whatever that is, has made her so doubtful that she's still doing it. It's not my fault. And I don't agree with what Vishnu Marsh did there, but whatever you know, it's a minor minor thing, but that alone wouldn't create the problem that the devotee's having. I mean, we come with a lot of faith, and it takes a fair amount for that to really, to, to, to transform, for example, a disciple of Prabhupada, to transform them from a trusting person to a doubting person. Hmm? Uh, I mean, we were like, Completely trusting, isn't it, of Prabhupada, whatever he said. And if he said, stand up, sit down, stand on your head, print books, 
burn books. If he told us, now I want all the books in the warehouse burned, we'd have just burned them up. We wouldn't have thought about it, you know. But Prabhupada, he said to print them, nobody would have even asked. Prabhupada said, burn the books. Okay, burn the books. Hmm. So, um, that is his spiritual power. His, his power to, I don't want to say the brainwash of this, but to arrest the intellect, hmm? which is the doubting agency. Hmm? It has its place and has its application in regard to the teaching, but um, it needs to be put in its place also. Hmm? Um, so, this I mentioned only in relation to the idea of the Vrindavan being the homeland of the heart. There's no doubting. It's called, Mahaprabhu liked the term Gyan Shunya Bhakti. So, Bhakti unencumbered by, by knowledge. That means unencumbered by having to know or why or, um, or serving because Krishna is God and therefore I should serve him, but just out of love and identification. So, one of the things, as I'm saying, that we want to get from the Lila besides heady philosophical points and so forth that, that make it seem relevant in the times in which we live, which we do, and we've been doing that, and that's good, and so forth, but it's just some attraction, identification with the people, with the idea that any man who, any male from Nandagram, if they come to Barsana, they're treated like a son-in-law. Immediately the door is open. Come in, son. My son. Come on in. Hmm? Have you had breakfast? Sit. It's just like this. Hmm? Hmm. This means the homeland of the heart, where the intelligence has got, got a chance to just rest. There's a kind of knowing hmm, that transcends what we think is knowing that constitutes an exercise of the intellect, which is always, well, inconclusive. It's inconclusive. Even if you reach a conclusion, I'm sure about this point about the world, then the world can shift and change suddenly. Um, so the Vedanta weighs in when it says Tarko Pratishtanat, that, that, that the exercise of intellect, argumentation, so it's, you can never get any real standing. It means you cannot become perfectly happy, which is what the purpose of knowledge is, to inform actions by which we become perfectly happy. You cannot get that by intellectual exercise. So a kind of intuitive knowing that, 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 that puts the intellect in its place and allows the heart to come out. Caring environment. That's why I said sometimes the guru has to speak the language of love and the language of reason hmm? and translate the, the, the feelings of into 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 logic and reason to try to help us get some some kind of table of contents type idea outline idea of of uh, of what we're talking about, what is the Braj, what is Vrindavan, what is the goal? Hmm. Um, some, some frame of reference to help us. Hmm. Um, but such is the place, so charming, so um, uh, peaceful, and the people there, 
Hmm. So this is one of the people there, Purnamasi, such an important figure that, that the whole of the Braj was so excited upon her arrival there. Hmm. What it meant to the community. So what does she mean to us? There in Rupa Goswami's temple, Radha Govinda temple, underneath the temple, hmm, there's this, uh, you go in and, and there's this chamber and this staircase goes down. Some of you have probably been there, down below. And underneath the temple, there's a the deity of the Yoga Maya hmm, that, uh, that Rupa Goswami worshipped there. Hmm. So, under the ground, if you will, of the Vrindavan, hmm, and personified in, in, in a number of different forms. This is one form as Purnamasi, a person you want to know. Hmm? You want to know, because in her company, you can get assurance. What is the assurance that we want? The assurance that Radha and Krishna will, will come together. Hmm. This is the idea of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, that Radha and Krishna, that, the, that this problem, and we again go for a moment philosophic, this problem of Shakti, Shakti Man, hmm? Purusha and Prakriti, this, this is a problem. Whatever terms you want to use, hmm? we t- we do away with the purusha and make everything prakriti, everything matter. Hmm? That's a modern materialism. That doesn't solve the problem. It makes a smile, as I said earlier, just to exercise a certain facial mus- muscles. I mean, that's just like absurd. That's what a smile is. Hmm? We burn that kind of dictionary. Hmm? That doesn't do. <laughs> Say, to do away with our humanity, because hmm? you can't figure it out. Hmm? You can't figure it out. It has no. It has no reality in modern science. It has no reality. Hmm? Uh, reality is just the objective world of quantities. I mean, it's such a shallow. This is a. This is like flat Earth, you know, thinking, hmm? one dimensional. Anyway, this is one. The other end, you have someone like a, like a, a Shankar. There is no world. Hmm? There is no world. There's only consciousness. Two forms of monism. Hmm? There's only consciousness. There's no matter. There's the, the, these are Godias. They don't try to. It's problematic how these things work together. Or what, so one way is to do away with one of them, and the other is to do away with the other one. Hmm? Right? And you have a form of that. In Christianity too, as I mentioned, I think last night, classical Christian theological idea: the spirit is over here, and the matter is over here, and they should never meet, and that their their merger is the whole problem. Completely separate them out, and um, and so forth. So you know, we can go there to some extent. To some extent, but but then you, if you go fully with that idea, then then you end up with uh, with the environmental crisis that we have today. Hmm? It has its origins in this this division of matter and spirit. Hmm? Um, um, that arose in the Western philosophical mind. In the Vaishnavism, then you have another thing, right? You have the panentheistic uh, perspective. You have the best of theism and the best of pantheism, both. So God is the person, the best of theism, and God is the world, the best of pantheism. And because, in some way, 
God is also the world, then it's it has it's no longer profane, it's sacred. And from our perspective, of course, it is the reflection hmm, of Radha. And it has value. Let me just say it again, as I said last, it has value. We are, from time without beginning, in relation to the material nature. Hmm? And if we look carefully, we see the material nature is affording us an experience of something about ourself that without that influence, we would not know that we are a doer, a, a knower, and an experiencer. Because if there's, there's no field, there's no environment to interact with. There's nothing to do, there's nothing to know, hmm? and there's nothing to feel. Hmm? We, we, our everyday experience is that I'm an experiencer, a knower, and a doer. Hmm? Material nature is showing that to us. It's nurturing us in such a way that that certain part of our nature that lends to nurture is coming out. Hmm? And as I said, you can make a good argument, and plenty of people do. Who cares for this Vedanta idea? Becoming, you know, you can say, Swami, that being, that I am is bigger than I am this or that, but what's the use of I am? What's the use of just being? I want to be something. And I want to do something. And I want to feel something. Hmm? So it may be temporary, it may be limited, it may come with problems, but better I be something, do something, feel something, love somebody, than not at all. Why just be forever? Hmm? You can make an argument against this. Hmm? It is bigger in a sense, but in another sense it's smaller. Because just being, that means without the influence of any particular environment, the material environment or the spiritual environment, there are aspects of the self that will not be experienced. So that you will not experience these in Yoga Siddhanta. You will not experience this in, in Gyanmarg. Hmm? Only in Bhakti Marg. And most fully in the Bhakti Marg of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It tells us your human experience hmm, is the closest thing to reality the ultimate reality that you could find, analyze it and understand it. Hmm? This is very, very user-friendly idea, extremely user-friendly idea. And it tells, it, it tells us you don't have to believe in anything except you're, you just go on the basis of your experience. Hmm? Hmm? I'm a doer. I'm, I heard Noam Chomsky, a famous intellectual, has asked a big question. He said, he was asked, what about free will? Is there free will? He said, of course. Next question. <laughs> I mean, there's a huge philosophical argument whether there's free will or not. And he just, there's no free will. What about the what are we talking about here? What's the discussion? Was, you know? He said, of course there is. Maybe we can't explain it. That's, I guess, the implication, but of course. Hmm? Of course, I make decisions. Yeah. Um, so... You, know, you can get real heady about it and figure out how, how it works, how it doesn't. It's just a brain. And, uh, but you can't even be... If you're not an agent of action, of the will and so forth, how are you even doing that? Reaching your conclusion that there is no free will and so forth. So he kind of just dispensed with it and very... I was quite startled to see that, but it was, was, was powerful at the same time. Hmm? Um... 
So why try to interpret observable facts in such a way that they that they say that our experience on such a ground level as I'm speaking about is false when we can interpret the facts in such a way as to validate that I am a doer, a feeler, and a knower. Hmm? Which is what uh, what we do in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. That doesn't contradict, as I say, any observable facts about nature and so on and so forth. So, hmm? so material nature is beautiful in this way. Hmm? This is the, uh, the uh, that she brings out something. Therefore, the Gaudiya position is better to be a conditioned soul than to be a mukta. Hmm? Better to be in the material world um, and struggling and tasting little love, hmm? even, if, even if it's just a reflection of that, than to be merged in Brahman. Hmm? This is like a revolutionary, like, how can you say that kind of a thing in the world of Vedanta? But it's, 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 it's the position of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? Merging in Brahman, what's your prospect then? Hmm? At least here you have some prospect. And a semblance of what you're actually about in your full potential is being experienced. If you look at it carefully, you can see this is what I, what, what I am, but I'm not able to get what I want from it. So at the same time that the material nature is providing, facilitating us hmm, to experience something about ourselves that we wouldn't know otherwise, hmm, there's also a limitation. Hmm? Then it comes to the point that what? That we are the part and parcel of the Godhead. Hmm? So what we are, he is like also. Hmm? Hmm? Obviously, our personhood comes and goes, right? That's the problem, hmm? materially speaking. Hmm? It's, 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 we're subject to transformation and so forth. But he is thought to be enduring. Hmm? But like us then, he must have a shakti, a field of activity. He must be the knower and he must have a field of activity. Hmm? But that does not have the negative um, aspect, limiting aspect, that our field of activity does, the maya shakti. Hmm? So, another shakti. So this is this this idea. There must be a radha. We can argue why there's a Krishna, but why should there be a radha? Hmm? Our very experience in material life tells us there should be a radha. There has to be a radha. Hmm? There has to be a shakti hmm, that influences Bhagawan in such a way as to bring out well, these same qualities in him. Hmm? Because in Brahman, they're not brought out. As Brahman, they're not brought out. Hmm? And if we're like him, then he has to have these qualities too. It means he has to have a personhood and, and so on and so forth. So there must be an environment. Hmm? That nurturing environment, that's that Sarup Shakti. That's that energy of the mass that we talked about, of consciousness that exceeds the rest energy of the physical system. In this case, the spiritual system that is that is Krishna. Hmm? So uh, so it's very wholesome, the point is, Gaudiya Vaishnava, very wholesome. It takes the Shakti 
and the Shaktiman, the Purusha and the Prakriti. And what do you do with these two things? Do you do away with the Purusha? Do you do away with the Prakriti? Hmm? Do you keep them but separate them? Hmm? Those the two will never meet. Hmm? You've got material monism, spiritual monism, you've got classical theism. Hmm? Material monism, you do away with the Purusha. Spiritual monism, you do away with Prakriti. Hmm? Classical theism, you separate the Purusha and the Prakriti, keep them open. Keep them apart as far as you can. Hmm? Hmm? Or if anything, if you've got to interact with the Purush, with the Prakriti, you step on it. <laughs> Do whatever you want with it. <laughs> and then you have the environmental crisis and so forth hmm? that we have today that's come out of this, this kind of thinking, classical uh, theology, arguably, give rise to that. Hmm? Gaudi Vaishnava is very different, and it, it doesn't separate the two, it doesn't do away with one or the other. Hmm. Hmm. It brings them together, and it sees the material Shakti as evidence for a Surup Shakti, hmm. and uh, as a reflection, then, of the full face. Hmm. So, in the Braj, then, we're back to simple story that's very profound nonetheless. The whole purpose is to bring together the Purusha and the Prakriti hmm? in the fullest forms of the two, of Radha and Krishna, to unify them. So this is the healthy anxiety of the Braj. Will Radha and Krishna meet? And you can bring your worries to Purnamasi. Hmm? And she will give you assurance. Don't worry. Everything's alright. I know more than you do. Have confidence in me. Hmm. I'm schooled by Narada, hmm. and I've got the consultation of Gargamuni, the astrologer, as well, and um, you know I'm in touch with the Akash, Akashic records, and uh, and everything is going to be all right. Hmm. So repeatedly she's giving assurance to to those concerned, and it's really everybody, even those who seem to be concerned that they meet. Hmm. And militate against that. They only do that because they're supposed to do that, but in their heart of hearts, Jatila, Kutila, the mother-in-law, the daughter-in-law, sister-in-law of Radharani, they want, they, they see it as well. My, my godmother, Gorgu Minimarsh, gave a nice lecture once that was recorded somewhere and printed about, um, it must have been from the Orissa oral tradition hmm, of um, uh, uh, Radharani passing out and being near death or something like that in the Braj. And then everybody comes out, even Kutila and Jatila, and, and hmm, acknowledging that in their heart of hearts they always wanted Radha and Krishna to meet, actually. Although it wasn't possible for social reasons, for religious reasons. And, and so many lessons we're taught by this. So, you know, in Leela, some guys have to wear the black hats, some guys have to wear the white hats, and so forth. But it's all Leela, it's drama. Hmm? And Rupa Goswami's drama hmm, that we're talking about, Lalita Madhava, begins in this way, and Purnamasi takes the lead and tells a little bit of the story, one of the stories, a particular story about the appearance of, of Radha, the primal Shakti, speaking to Gargi, the daughter of Gargacharja, who has some concerns. 
Again, she's, so we want to identify with these figures in the Leela. This is the main thing. Besides these abstract philosophical points and so forth, which help us to think, yeah, our religion's cool, you know, it makes sense and so forth. You know, we may need that. <laughs> Hopefully we've got little intelligence and we, and we can appreciate these, those kind of uh, points and, and, and speak about it to others in, in a way that its relevance is, 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 is shown. But beyond that, we want to become attracted to these, these paradigmatic figures in the Leela, identify with them. Like I said, everybody in the... These are the two main families. Prashabhanu Raj and Kirtida, the mother and father of Radha, Nanda and Yasoda, mother and father of Krishna. And everybody in the Braj more or less sees them as their father and mother, even they have their own fathers and mothers. Hmm? These are the, the really paradigmatic figures, especially Jashodomai of Vatsalya uh, Rasa. Hmm? So, you want to think like that? Hmm? Hmm? You want to start to think like that? My, my father is... I come from the... I come from the Radha's side. Hmm? When, Gop- when Gopakumar of Brihad Bhagavatamrita hmm, attained his Sarup, he was, his, name was, his name was Sarupa, hmm? he, he... Krishna's coming back with the cows and coward friends, and there's Sarup standing before him, and he, and he embraces him, weeps, and... So long I've waited for you to come here. Hmm? All the struggles that you went, the doors that you knocked on were closed in your face when you went to speak on my behalf. I was there. I witnessed it. I saw all the effort. It was torrential, the rains. There was a hurricane in North Carolina. <laughs> and you traveled three hours from the coast to come and attend my Mongol hmm? And I noticed that you were there. Hmm. Effort that you made. <laughs> is this how he talked to him? Hmm? And his whole life of Asada could pass before him like a like a like a trailer in a really fa- a movie trailer. Like, and all of it made sense. Hmm? Everything uh, from the day the, of his Anadi karma to, to the influence that he that he got under the influence of Anadi Bhakti. <laughs> Uh, beginningless bhakti is also in the world. And there's always sadhakas. There's always the current of bhakti in the world. When he came from the influence of anadi karma to the influence of bhakti, these two currents, mahatmastumam pratadaivin prakritimashrita. There are some people moving in the world under this daivin prakritimashrita, under this divine influence, under the influence of the bhakti, of, of srup shakti. And Brahman Brahmitekon Bhagyavanji Guru Krishna Prashade Thai Bhakti Latavich. This is the beginning of our good good fortune. As you know, I say sometimes, and it's worth repeating, my Godfather Vishnu John Marsh used to say, the distance we have traveled thus far in our material sojourn before meeting our Guru Maharaj is far greater than the distance we have to go from this point on. That is a short distance. Now we found a guide. The way has been illuminated hmm? through precept and through example, hmm? made easy by just pay a little attention. It's not difficult. Hmm? Bhakti's not hard. It's very easy. Letting go of things we're attached to that may be a little hard, <laughs> but bhakti's not hard. Hmm? 
So he saw, he, Krishna embraced the Sarupa. Oh, you finally you're here. And all that you went through, I was there with you witnessing. So his whole life, his whole life, his whole life flashed before him, this Sarup. From the point of his being connected with Bhakti, and he saw every everything that that Bhagavan was involved. He had brought Krishna Nam and, and Krishna Mantra into his life, hmm? and and so there, there was everything had a meaning and the downside and the problems. And uh, Krishna was always always with him, hmm? all the whole the whole distance, and he, it all made sense to him. To imagine. It all made sense, all at once. It was like this. And there he was. And Krishna said, come on, home. Hmm? And home, and they went, and spent the night in Krishna's house. Hmm? And he's just kind of getting to know everybody. <laughs> and came time for the breakfast, and Radhika, as she would, does daily, came all the way from Barsana to Nandagram, she had a blessing, you know, from Durvasa. Whatever she cooked would be like nectar. Nectar means amrit. Amrit means amrit. Amrit means death. Amrit means deathless. So who would eat her cooking? The implication would be de- would be deathless. Hmm? Radharani, Mother Yasoda, was was sure that if Krishna would eat. In the morning, what was cooked by Radharani, that there was it was okay then to let him go out and herd cows and go in the forest, where all kinds of things could happen. I know those boys tell the stories that are exaggerated and everything, but you know something could happen. Hmm? Killed Bakasura, killed Agasura, hmm? Ritrasura, Aristasura, and so all these stories. I think exaggerated, but there must have been some problem there. And so she thinks that he has, Krishna has the power to deal with these obstacles because he's eating that was been cooked by Radharani. Hmm? Because Durvas gave the, gave the blessing. We have to believe in the sages hmm? and, their, and their wisdom. Hmm? What kind of thinking she has. And so on the basis of this, she has the power. You showed a has the power to convince not Kirtida, the mother of Radharani and Vrishabhanu, they wouldn't argue, but Kutila, the, the mother-in-law of Radha. Hmm? So she starts out in Ravel, then she goes to Barsana, and then she goes where to Yavat, hmm? where she lives with her so-called husband, Abhimanyu. And imagine the power of Malayasoda's Vatsalya, that she can convince Kutila that Radharani has to come all the way from there to Nandagram every morning to cook for Krishna, of all people. Hmm? Hmm? Because Nanda Nisoda, the king and queen of Braj, and this is the successor, hmm? really, their only son, Krishna, and he needs to be uh, protected. And so to the power of her, Vatsalya can convince the one who is militant event, they're not meeting, apparently, hmm? Radha and Krishna, to send Radha there every morning hmm? to cook for Krishna. 
You show them my jai. And so Sarup sits at the dinner table. It's on the left hand side of Krishna. Where you'll find also Subal, um, Ujwala, Kinkini, and these these kind of sakas. And so then 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 Krishna tastes a big ladu at the end of the meal and goes, who, who cooked this? <laughs> Throws it on the plate of Sarup next to him. Mm-hmm. <gasps> and everybody's shocked and looks. And all attention is there. Mm-hmm. And Sarup is, doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Somebody tried to poison Krishna. Somebody put salt in the ladu instead of sugar or what? And, and then, and then uh, he realizes... Oh, Krishna's blaming Radha, hmm? and he's thrown the ladu on my plate, which means he's upset with me because I'm from the family of Radha. I come from that side. When I go home tonight, that's where I'll go. Hmm? I'll follow Sridham hmm? to that side of the Braj. So This is the way Krishna's teaching. This is the siksha <laughs> of the Leela for the newcomers. He throws it, and then, then he tastes the ladu, hmm? and it's wonderful. And then he realizes, oh, Krishna is playing a joke, and like he's upset. And in the context of that, he's teaching me. He doesn't say, "Now, okay, you're welcome here." You know, now this is your this is your house. These are your relatives. This is where you go, and so forth. Apparently, he didn't know all those details. Hmm? Guru might tell, but apparently, he didn't know. Krishna had to teach him this way. Hmm. Right? He could understand what's this very super spiritual intelligence. Ah, Krishna's telling me, I come from Radharani's community, that side. You know, Brishabhanu Maharaj, Brihadbanu, Chandrabhanu, he had five, there was the five brothers, like Nanda Maharaj had four brothers, Brishabhanu had five, the Banu brothers and Ananda brothers. <laughs> on either side, and from the from the Banu brothers, sometimes it's but by some acharyas it's taught they had eight daughters and twelve sons, hmm? which makes up the Asta. What do they call Astasakis and Dwadasa Gopals? Some acharyas differ. And, and identified some of the Gopals as being on this, from the Krishna's side of the of the Braj. And, but anyway, so uh, so anyway, he he went there. Sarup, he found this place there. So, um, so anyway, this is something about the Braj Leela, and to identify with these kinds of. Uh, figures like I'm saying, uh, you know, the Purnamasi, the Kirti, the, the uh, Rishabhanu, Nanda, Yashoda. This is part of our bhakti. When we hear these stories, we want to identify them. What a what a yes! I would like to be like, in a way, the son of Nanda and Yashoda, the son of Rishabhanu and Kirti. Hmm? Hmm. This kind of this is really the the most we can draw from the Leela some identification with these figures, some affinity for them, some just liking for them. So then at that point, you know, you at a certain point, the philosophy starts to retire and, and you like these people. 
and they're real people, not just store figures. And they are those hearts, right? Like I said earlier, they are the heart. It's that that's really an emotional reality that the organ is only a partial material approximation of. Hmm? It can't really melt. Real hearts can melt. Hearts made out of emotion, made out of ecstasy. Bodies formed out of ecstasy, out of the subjective component of life. This is the brudge. Hmm? All the movements, anubhavs, the conscious movement, the unconscious movements, the, 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 the um, satvikabhavas, hmm? inner life of emotions, vyabhicharis, and uh, stays and so on. This is a whole world of ecstasy. Again, this is a world where the physical representation of emotions, like the muscles that make a smile, hmm? you know, are just just so such a partial, limited representation of reality. Hmm? So we want to go to that world and we want to identify with the primary figures that are brought out. They're primary figures from the perspective of Rupa Goswami, hmm? whom he has chosen to point out, Purnamasi, Madhu Mangal, hmm? why, why Subal, hmm? Ujbal, why not this other cowboy? Somebody wrote me and said, you know, I want to know, you know, who are the cowherd boys? Who are the Priyanarmas? Who are connected with Chandravali? Hmm? Rather than with Radha, I said, I don't know, and I don't care. And that's not, and you don't understand that Rupa Goswami is giving us Sanatana Goswami, Jila Goswami, in their Leela Granthas, their Leela books, are giving us a win. They're picking out, they're highlighting certain people. Why isn't this one highlighted? Because we. A certain opportunity is being offered to us through their kata, through their teaching, hmm? to, to, to enter there. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, every Yuteshwari has manjaris, every, every gopi group leader has, has, has uh, assistants, manjaris, and, and Priyanarmasakas, friends of Krishna, identified with them and so on and so forth. Why mention only the ones identified directly with Radha and her group and so forth? Because, because that's what we're about, right? Hmm? This is uh, this is the Radha extended idea of Radha Dasyam, this window hmm? that they, they have afforded us. So it's not a curiosity thing. I like think I like that Gopi. I think I like that cowherd boy. Hmm? It's not like that. Hmm? If when you understand what opportunities are being presented, and then you start to get a feeling for that. Hmm? So the the people that Rupa Goswami highlights here, for example, Purnamasi, we're talking about her. We want to start to identify with them. Hmm? So anyway, she tells the story. It's a peculiar story, but it's a story about about Shakti in one sense. Hmm? We know that Radharani is the daughter of Kirtida and uh, Brishabhanu. Kirtida. Kirti means fame. Hmm? Kirtida, who gives fame. Hmm? It's a very appropriate name for the mother of Radha. Hmm? In Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked Roy Ramananda, hmm? 
what is what is the tell me about fame hmm? who is the most famous person what does he say hmm? the most famous person is a devotee devotee is the evejas gushuku tribuhan Yasha also means fame. Ebe Yash Their fame will be celebrated throughout the three worlds, everywhere. They are glorious. To be a devotee is what it means, he said, to be famous. To understand fame, to really attain fame, is to become a devotee. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, when Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is explaining the um, tantra verse Devi, what is that verse? Devi, Krishna Mai Prokta. He uh, afterwards he, he he explains that Radharani is is the personification of all of the opulences of Krishna. So fame is is one of them. How is Radharani the fame of Krishna? Because what makes Krishna famous is his devotees. <laughs> His devotees make him famous. They tell his story all over the world. Hmm? And devotee means the influence of Radha. Hmm? So she makes him famous. Hmm? This is just uh, one example of how she is the opulence. So to be a devotee hmm, means to have lasting, meaningful, to be famous oneself also, hmm? by giving fame to one who is... Um, worthy of such. So, the daughter, Radha of Kirtida, hmm? personification of fame in this sense, and and the daughter of Rishabhanu, Rishabhanu, Banu means light, and Rishabh means the best. Hmm? It also means bull, Taurus, sun in sign of Taurus. Hmm? Well, result in a certain type of personality that corresponds with that of the father of, of, of Radharani. And so we, we can look it up and see what is it, and we can see something about what Bishabhanu Maharaj is like. And that such a nice person. Hmm. Hmm. And, and the bull also, of course, represents Dharma. So we also look at it in that way, that uh, Bishabhanu means, Bishab means the best um, dharma, the light, hmm? the light of the, of the best, the brilliant light of the best of dharma, that is the prem dharma, not ordinary dharma. So, Vaipum Saparo dharma, we told Bhakti Adhoksajay. This is a repeated emphasis of Bhagavatam. We have a different idea of dharma here. So different is the idea of Dharma, hmm? Prem Dharma, of Vrindavan, that it's that it's the story of it. The philosophical implications are told in a story in which ordinary Dharma seems to reach its low point. Hmm? That's called Parakya. The ordinary Dharma reaches its low point in adulterous affairs in the village, hmm? and. This is, of course, how it's it's played out in, in the Lila. Gopis leave their families so to meet Krishna. It's a way of saying that, that the pro-dharma, the bhakti-dharma, it steps on the head of ordinary 
religion. I mean, I've said it before in the Gita, this point is made too, more ob obscurely, but it's made nonetheless. In the section in the Gita after Krishna tells Arjuna, hey, stop talking to me about Dharma and all this religious stuff. You're not the body. So what about that? You tell me what will happen if you kill people, and I'm telling you, you never die. Nobody dies. So now what? You're worried that if you kill these people, there'll be problems, and I'm telling you, nobody dies. So get your head on straight. You're not a pundit. You talk a learned word, but you don't know anything. Nobody dies. Okay? <laughs> That's how he answers. But if we kill them, what will happen to the women? What will happen in the future? Well, you know, we'll get. Uh, so sinful reactions and ah, this huge barrage, you know, of, of, of worries from Arjuna and citing the Dharma Shastras and everything. Krishna says, "Shut up! You're not. You don't. Nobody dies." Next question. Hmm? <laughs> After he says that, he goes back and and he, and he says a few words about Dharma before starting to talk about yoga, and more or less he says, "Anyway, yeah, it's true." Hmm? If you don't do these things, then there'll be sinful reactions. Yeah. Yeah. If you forego the Dharma, that, that's a problem. And, and, and if you do these things, that I'm saying, there may be problems. There may be things that happen. Innocent people may, 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 may suffer as a result. It's true. But, but I'm telling you this. If you do what I'm telling you to do, which is to act in such a way it will call your spiritual progress, leave the religion aside, but will cause you to know your Atma. Hmm? He says, he's not even, hasn't yet started to really talk about Bhakti. If you act in such a way that you are progressively pursuing experiential spiritual life, hmm? then even if to do that, you have to kill the whole world. Hmm? There will be no There'll be no reaction. Try to understand that. You will not be implicated. There will be problems if you kill the whole world, yeah, but you won't be implicated in the, in the reaction. That is a very heavy statement of Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? Implication of those verses. And then, then this is the beginning, and then he talks about yoga for several chapters. When he gets to the end of it, what does he say? Arjuna's like, okay, so I should do yoga, which is the way to realize that I'm an atma, and more... Ultimately, as yoga comes to bhakti, hmm? but whew, it's a, not so easy to do yoga. You got to concentrate the mind. It's difficult. It's like trying to capture the wind. Krishna says, "Yeah, that's true. It's hard." Hmm? Next question. <laughs> but what, what alternative you have? You should do. And if you try, if you practice with detachment, you'll be successful. But Arjuna is questioning whether he will be successful. Hmm? And he says, if I give up the Dharma, then I'll be culpable there. And if I try this, hmm, yoga, and I'm not successful, then what? Krishna doesn't say it, but he might as well say I already answered that. Go back to the second chapter. If you look carefully, real study, I already answered that. But anyway, let me say this to you. Let me say it in another way. If you do yoga, if you pursue experiential spiritual life, and you are unsuccessful, you'll get the result of perfectly following the Dharma. Okay? You'll go to heaven. If you perfectly follow the Dharma, Mark, you can go to heaven. And if you imperfectly do the yoga, 
you can go to heaven. Okay? So, do it. Do yoga imperfectly. You're better off. Chaktavasadharmam saranam bhujam Nard said the same thing. You try it. Hmm? What if I'm success, unsuccessful? He's telling Vyas. And Nard, Nard says, do it anyway. Even if you, if you, even if due to immaturity, there's some breach there and you fall, but you're still further down the road, pick yourself up from there and go. Hmm, it's better. Hmm? No fault for trying. Hmm? There's bhakti. There's no fault for trying. Very generous. And if you go to heaven as a result of imperfect spiritual practice, you go there for a different reason than the people that go there by karma. So you have a special position in heaven. And when I come and perform my leela, if you're still there, you can come down and join me. From heaven, participate in my leela and perfect your yoga if it's bhakti. So this push for experiential spiritual life, very strong in the Bhagavad, it's more clear. Again, the parakya is contrasted with the parodharma. Parakya looks like a dharma, but it's the parodharma. So anyway, Brishabhanu means the prema dharma. Brishabhanu Nandini, this is Radharani's name, who is the pleasure of the parodharma. That means haladini shakti. Hmm? This ingredient, this is Radha. So so she has very special uh, parents, if you will. Hmm? And Rupa Goswami is telling the story through the mouth of Purnamasi how, how she's born. Hmm? Very peculiar. Well, she's the son, she's, excuse me, the daughter of of of, of Rishabhanu and Kirtida, whose older brother is Sridham, whose younger sister is Ananga Manjari. Hmm? But as Purnamasi speaks through the pen of Rupa Goswami, she tells of Radharani's being the daughter of the Vindhya mountain range. Hmm? The daughter of the Vindhya... Rupa Goswami tells us the beginning, something at the beginning of the drama that should not be overlooked. Hmm. At the beginning of the drama, he says, I was told in a dream by Lord Shiva to write this story, to write this drama. So at his order, I'm writing this. Hmm. So there's some dreams that are worth having. Hmm. Shiva came in a dream and told him to write the Vidagda Madhava. So you have to understand from that point that this is a drama Rupa Goswami is writing, and one of the, the principal purposes in the drama is to establish something. What is that? What Shiva wants to establish. Who is Shiva? Vaishnavana Mithashambhu, as Bhagavatam in its concluding chapter says. This is, this is in the concluding chapter, in the twelfth canto. Vaishnavana Mithashambhu. And Shiva is a great Vaishnava. It's kind of a little bit hyperbole. Shiva is the best Vaishnava. This is the best light in which you could portray Shiva. 
as Chetrapal, the protector of the Dham, hmm? in different places of the Vrindavan, is, uh, he's situated protecting the Dham, and then the protector, for example, of the Rasa, Stali, the place of the Rasa dance there, as Gopishwar, hmm? guarding the gate, that not just anybody can, can, can come in, crash the party, something like that. You have to pass through Shiva. Hmm? You have to become pure in consciousness and so forth to, to enter there. Hmm? So the point is what? Bhagavatam, among other things, is making a point, main point, I should say, philosophically. Krishna's too Bhagavan Swayam. It's not Shiva. It's Krishna. Hmm? Shiva is, is important. He gives the most important place. You want to make him superior to Krishna like the Shiva Purana does for people in the mode of ignorance? That's one thing. Hmm? But we don't want to do him such a disservice. We want to put him as protecting the Rasa dance spot. I mean, this is much more glorious. Hmm? Um, of course, uh, and in the Bhagavad, Krishna defeats Shiva also. Hmm? Anyway, so the point is that in this book, the Dagdamadava, it will be established that, uh, that 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 Krishna is superior to has a superior ontological position to um, to uh, to Shiva, who is depicted. This is the way Mahaprabhu made the point. He's depicted as taking the Ganges on his head, which is the foot wash of Vishnu, Vaman. So it's obvious that if you take the foot wash of Vishnu on your head, then you consider yourself subordinate to him. Hmm? So this is one of the points that the whole book is, 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 is philosophical points. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swami, coming out of Vidagda Madhava, or Lita Madhava in this case. Hmm? Hmm. So, Masi tells the story. What is the story then? She says, well, of course, she's a great devotee of Radha. She got her devotion from Narada. Hmm? She's a student of Narada. Narada also came to Vrindavan. Hmm? It's said in the fifth, fifth chapter of the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam that after Krishna was born, hmm, that Vrindavan became uh, Ramakridam, a playground for the goddess of fortune. Hmm? A playground. This is a, this is a covert reference. Uh, you need the eyes of... of, of Deep spiritual person to draw out, to which which are placed here and there throughout the Bhagavatam, the tenth canto especially, uh, glorifying Radha, like we heard the other morning, Aradhanas. What is it um, from the tenth canto? Aniyano nunam Bhagavan Harishvara. Indirect reference to Radha. So this is another one in the fifth fifth chapter. It means that it means that after Krishna was born, the goddess of fortune came to live there. Hmm? About two weeks later, hmm? and she is the goddess. This is as we heard. She is Devi. She is the goddess. Was that was that Devi Krishna Mai Prata Radhika Paradevata. Hmm? So she is the Paradevata, she is the supreme goddess of fortune. Hmm? 
supreme goddess of fortune. In Vrindavan, there are many goddesses of fortune. Not in Vaikuntha, there's one. Hmm? Rasa cannot reach its full pitch unless there are many lovers. Hmm? This is according to the Indian aesthetics. So, so, but in in Vrindavan, there's one Krishna and many Radhas, many Lakshmis. Means Radha, every emotional aspect of herself personifying. Here, another one, another Gopi, another Gopi. Hmm? To tender to Krishna in any particular time relative to his emotional hmm, reality at the moment. Hmm? So many Radhas, hmm? one Krishna. Krishna, Radha manifests of in many, many, many forms to deal comprehensively with his, his tender to his, uh, the pleasure of his senses. Hmm? So, shortly after Krishna is born, and uh, the implication is Radha appeared hmm? in Vrindavan. This, this, it's said that the ornaments that um, we decorate Krishna with are decorated hmm, by being in touch with him, such as his beauty. Ordinarily, if you put on makeup, you're thought to become <laughs> more beautiful. Hmm? But in this case, we put makeup on the Krishna, the makeup becomes more beautiful. Hmm? This is the case. However, that being said, when Krishna is next to Radharani, he becomes more beautiful. Hmm? Prabhupada used to say, Krishna is not that beautiful by himself, but when he's standing next to Radharani, then he becomes more beautiful. Hmm? So she brings out something in him. Hmm? Again, we're back to that. She brings out something into him, in him that wouldn't come out otherwise more beautiful. So Vrindavan, which is non-different from him, Aradya Bhagavan Vrindavanam. How beautiful it is. It's an extension of his very self. It became more beautiful with Radha's appearance. And Nard made his way there. He thought something peculiar has happened for sure. It must be that the, the Supreme Goddess has... This is the supreme god. It must be a supreme goddess. He knows every god has a goddess. Hmm? Every goddess has a god. So, um, so he went to Vrindavan looking for the goddess. And he had his way to, you know, his. He didn't need a GPS, but he found his way to, to to Ravel, the birthplace of Radha, and he, and he approached Rishabhanu Maharaj and said. Hi, I'm Nard. Uh, you know, Nard is Mooney. Go, he's here and uh, in the Brudge and all respect and everything. He didn't say, "Who cares for you?" You know, we're Ragbaktas here. You know, he wasn't like that. No. Oh, the sage has come. And Nard said, "Do you have a daughter?" He said, "I have a son." Hmm? But what about it? Don't you have a daughter? Well, I have a very fine son. <laughs> but well, I have this girl. I mean, he was a little shy to speak about her because that because she was she didn't open her eyes. Hmm? She was born, but she never opened her eyes. So Nard said, "Well, let me let me see her." You know, and so okay, all right. Well, you know, we're trying to keep her out of the public. It's a little you know embarrassing, um, but 
So Nara said, okay, just leave me alone for a minute and let me take a look at her. And then he prostrates himself out and all these prayers and, and so forth. He sees, sees Radha. Nara's wondering, or Vishwabhana Maharaj wondering, what's going on? And then he comes out and says, everything will be all right. No. He said, if you bring that boy, Krishna, Nanda's son, here, then her eyes will open. Hmm? And so an arrangement was made, of course. And when Krishna was placed next to Radha, then her eyes opened. So Nard, he has this kind of bhakti for Radha. He infused this within the heart of Purnamasi. Hmm? Hmm? And Purnamasi is telling the story. She came to Vrindavan as a result of hearing from Narada. She became a resident there. Hmm? And she's telling Gargi the story of Radha's birth from the, the daughter of the Vindhya Mountains. Now, the Vindhya Mountains are a certain mountain range that, it, it, that makes for the southern border of what was thought to be the, the land of the Aryans as opposed to the Dravidians in the south, the Aryans in the north, the Dravidians in the south. It's a smaller range, uh, much smaller in height and stature thereby than the Himalayas, which are tall and very masculine. Hmm? The Himalayas are, are identified with God. Hmm? And they're very very masculine in nature. The Vindhyas, on the other hand, are have a feminine um, um, connotation and um, associated with the goddess, if you will. Many tribal people there, we worship the goddess in the Vindhya Mountains. Hmm. And from the Himalayas, Shiva's there, the, the epitome of masculinity, right? This aesthetic, draped in ash, dressed in ashes, meditating, renounced, and so forth. Hmm. Um, that said, um, there is a you know a feminine feature to the Himalayas, and that is the great daughter of the Himalayas. What is her name? Who's the daughter of the Himalayas? Parvati. Parvati. So the Himalayas had a daughter, hmm? born in a cave in the Himalayas, hmm? married Shiva, always taking a subordinate position to Shiv, hmm? always see how she was dedicated to him in the Daksha Yogya and so forth. And hmm? um, So, Purnamasi tells a story that the Vindhya mountain range was a little jealous of the Himalayas. And in order to resolve the, the feelings that, um, that, the, that that range had, requested Brahma that mountains wanted to be the, the give birth to the, to a daughter. Hmm? Mountain Rage wanted to have a daughter hmm? whose husband would defeat Lord Shiva. Hmm? His husband would what? Defeat Lord Shiva. Hmm? Who could defeat Lord Shiva? Who is the, who's the, so much identified with the Himalayan mountains and you know, this aestheticism and so on. And you have Parvati, she's, you know, ascetic too, living with Shiva and so forth. So this is the 
story and uh, and that she's telling and and she says that well, of course what happened was when the eighth child of of Devaki turned out to be apparently to Kamsa to be a daughter and flew up in the sky and showed herself to be the goddess and um, predicted his the son of the, the, the of the, the boy that will kill you has already been born, hmm, she said. Hmm. And she said, there's some daughters that are born too, and they're special, and and you're doomed. Hmm. And you can't catch me, you can't hit me, you can't just see who you think you are. She spoke like the... And, and she wanted to instill some fear, really, in the heart of Kamsa. But with bad counsel afterwards, having told the story, he was advised... Uh, as such, that he that he then advised all of his henchmen and whatnot, henchmen and women, to go and kill all the boys born within a certain period of time, and to kidnap all the girls, all the young girls. Hmm. So, seeing this happened as a result of what she had told him, then the Yogamaya, who was another manifestation of the Yogamaya besides Purnamasi, who's telling the story arranged for the transfer of Chandravali and Radha from the wombs of their mothers. They're like uh, cousins, hmm? Hmm? like sisters. The cousins are sisters in the Vedic culture. Hmm? To be transferred to the Vindhya Mountains, to be protected then, hmm? was the idea. They'd be protected. But the implication, kind of philosophically, is that we're giving some, some merit, some position to the Vindhya range and to the Shakti side, hmm? um, that as much as these two mountain ranges represent the masculine and the feminine, the Purusha and the, and the Prakriti. Hmm? And so the daughters, beautiful daughters, Chandrabali and Radharani, were somehow, you know, daughters of the mountain, born in the mountain range, transferred there and appeared there. Hmm? And but the Putana whose specifically her purpose was to kidnap the, the daughters everywhere. She went that far and found the daughters and kidnapped them. Hmm? And meanwhile, the Brahmins, devotees of the goddess living in the Vindhyas, they performed some yagya that caused Putana in flight to have some problems. And the children were dropped one daughter, Chandravali, was dropped in the Vidarbha, in Vidarbha, in the river there. This is the kingdom of, of uh, where, um, well, Rukmini is, is the, the queen there from there. Hmm. And the other, in Vrindavan, found Bapurnamasi. Hmm. The other is, of course, Radha. She was given to the, to the, to the, the, the grandmother of, of Radha. Hmm. And then Jambavan, who was living near Govardhan, was told by Yogamaya to go to Vidarbha and kidnap the other girl, Chandravali. It's an interesting, intriguing story. And bring her back to Govardhan. So she was brought to Govardhan. And so the, the two girls arrived in the Braj, Radha and Chandravali, the, the two principal hmm, gopis of, of, of the Braj. Hmm. Hmm. And 
and they were given to the, the, their respective homes and so forth, and taken in there, and uh, and uh, and so the Leela proceeds. It's a story of Rupa Goswami, as I say, in a roundabout way, in which he wants to point out that what Shiva wanted him to point out, and he makes many, many points in the context of doing it. What he wants to show in this Leela also is that Rukmini and Satyabhama in Dwarka, who married Krishna, hmm, who in Dwarka had defeated Shiva, hmm, are actually manifestations of Radha and Chandravali. As Krishna goes to Mathura and Dwarka, so his associates go with him in forms that correspond with his form as Maturesh or Dwarkesh Krishna. And there in Dwarka, of course, as I say, Krishna defeats Shiva, he marries Chandravali or Rukmini and Satyabhama, and so the Vindhya range, his desires are fulfilled. Krishna is, is uh, supreme over, over Shiva, and his goddess Radha, hmm, ultimately, hmm, is for that matter, even takes kind of precedence, has influence over him in a way that Parvati doesn't have influence over Shiva. And so the position of the Shakti is underscored in in this story in the context of telling that Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, among other things, the way in which Krishna is so to speak, the supreme personality of God is in consideration of rasa, tattva, and this. When we make this consideration, then we have to consider the position of Radha, the sarup shakti, and bhakti rasa, hmm? if you will, that determines then by that way rasa vichar that Krishna is superior to what to speak of Shiva, to, to Narayan, and, and so on and so forth, because he has these this prema madhurya, these lila madhurya these extraordinary um, leelas of the Braj, hmm? which Shiva wants us to understand and enter where he is the protector. Hmm? In this book, Shiva wants Rupa Goswami speak in such a way that you attract people to enter into the Braj and understand the position of the Vrindavaneshwari, whose name is... Who is the Vrindavaneshwari? Must be Radha. And this is the call of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Jai Radhe, Jai Radhe, Jai Radhe. So, anyway, this is a little story from Rupa Goswami. There's so many more points, and that's just the introduction to the Leela there. So, it's, it's, it's quite uh, an extraordinary work. Hmm? Any question? What's the time now? It is 12.29. Okay, yes. I really like the way you elaborated on the um, the personalities and Krishna and Radha in, in the subjective world. Mm. And I've also heard you sometimes talk about how the Archivigraha is uh, like a fort, or sometimes you call it a sanja or mm-hmm. a junction. Mm-hmm. Could you speak like specifically in our Goya line how we approach the Archivigraha, but keep that mentality uh, that, that that's a junction between the, uh, the... Why don't we do this? Why don't we take the questions tonight 
We talked for a while now, and so we were scheduled to have questions tonight anyway, so Shadari had a question from last night, and you got this one, so why don't we, maybe, because I could give a pretty long answer to that problem. <laughs> probably. So, um, we'll stop there for now. All right, we'll meet again tonight. And it's a pleasure to be with all of you. Go Premanandi! Jai Sri Radha Madhavaki Jai!